Welcome to Thinking Outside the Box with Gavin Rubinstein. Conversations between Gavin and the people he believes have trailblazed by thinking outside the box in their field, industry, or even just in his office. Ladies and gentlemen, we have someone extremely special today giving us her time. She is an extremely successful buyer's agent. She's the founder and director of One Buyer's Agency. Her name is Carly Skernick. But in addition to that, she actually gave me my very first opportunity to work in real estate. Welcome. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be here. What's going on out there, man? How's the market? Market is pumping at the moment. I mean... We've got more buyers than we've ever had Love in the last 12 months. I'd like to hear that. That that excites me because it means good things for us, yeah? Which is brilliant. I mean, at the moment, I think we were just saying there's a lot of divorces. Crazy. Like huge amount of divorces. I've never, 15 years in the game, I've never seen so much, which is not a good thing. And we're not promoting it to be a good thing, but like it's making me not want to get married because I'm seeing the situations. Some clients I've been selling for, I have sold and worked on one, two, three properties when they've been together. And now I'm selling a house because they're being divorced, right? I think COVID made a lot of people realize, hold on. And that's also, I think people, there's a, what I was going to say earlier is there's a lot of people downsizing to take out funds. So I met someone a few months ago who said, Hey, listen, we want to downsize. We haven't had a holiday in four years. People are valuing lifestyle. People want that lifestyle back. People want to take money out. And especially in the Eastern suburbs, there's a lot of people who are cash poor and asset rich. Yeah. So let's sell down. Let's give our kids that opportunity to spend time with them before it's too late. Yeah, that's key. And I mean, now it's never been more expensive to travel. 100%. Right? So, they, so, so people need the cash. And I guess because they own these big houses in the East, even if it's come back a little bit since, you know, the boom, 10%, 15%, whatever you want to call it, they're still worth a lot of money. Spot on. So you've got lots of buyers. Um, are you seeing the transactions and the volume are up as much as year previous or, or where's that feeling? So for us, our transactions are 100% up. That's also because there's a lot of expats coming back. Notice We've too, yeah. never seen more money like this. I mean, 20, 30, 40, 50 million. Right. So obviously we can't disclose a lot of these properties sure. that we're buying. Sure, sure. But we see a fortune of that transacting. Yeah. It's a lot harder to transact because there's limited stock. Yeah. Um, we're getting a lot of people trying to get their money out of China. Yeah. And I guess coming back for lifestyle. After COVID, everything's about the lifestyle, as we just said. Yeah. Is there enough quality property to match them to? Or is that the the quandary you've got right now? Depends on the ranges. Yeah. There's a lot of off-market properties that we see. Yeah. The problem is they're still in COVID prices, which is premium prices. So we signing clients up and saying, listen, we actually want these properties to go on the market so the vendors can be educated. Yep. So it's taking a little bit longer for clients to transact. Yeah, okay. But we're still seeing the transactions. Amazing. And how did you get started? I mean, I kind of know, but for the people who don't, obviously you're the director, you're the founder of One Buyers Agency, which is a very successful buyers agent company. And you guys do a lot of good transactions. You've got a lot of good buyers agents working under your firm. You've got Claire, you've got Martine, you've got Jaden. Have I left anyone out? I'm sure I have. But they're- 
Grant, of course. George. George. So, George, she's great. You've got a really good team there, but let's kind of wind it back to the beginning how you started because you used to be a real estate agent. Correct. And to repeat what I said at the start of this, my first job as an assistant, as a PA, you were my first boss. Correct. So I was personal assistant to Carly Herberts and Blaze Griffin now back in 2008, which is when well, I started. But before we get into that, tell me a bit about your journey, how you started, got into real estate and how that kind of led you to this. Okay. So when traveling, as we all do, came, post school, post school, right? Came back. Obviously, I did all the pub working and all that. But my past is obviously we emigrated. I'm ex South African. Yeah. Came here with absolutely nothing. Yeah. And my parents literally paid school fees for ten years after we finished school. Yeah, I had so, the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. We we come from a bit of same background. Yeah. Where I had to hustle. I mean, when, while I was still in school. I worked at McDonald's. I worked at this place called Hair 2000 doing hair. I had three, four jobs trying to make Make some money to go traveling. Yeah. Whereas a lot of my friends got their parents' money. Mum and dad wrote them a check. Let's go. Yeah, of course. So when traveling, ran out of money, had to work for five pounds an hour in London and then carried on. Yeah. So that's how I started. And I always said I never, ever want my kids to have that struggle. Yeah. So I've always been so overly motivated just to make it out there. Sure. Ended up working at a shoe warehouse. Right. Selling shoes. Is that Adler? Correct. Yeah, yeah, right. So That was in... uh, Alexandria. Yeah, that's it. Okay, yeah, yeah. She had a big warehouse, right? Huge warehouse. And I just, I used to convince someone to sell one, who came in for one pair of shoes, they'd walk out with six. Right, right. So natural born saleswoman. Exactly. Then I guess I had... A girl who was in real estate come through and she said, oh, my God, you should try real estate. How old are you by now? I was 18. 18 years old. Who was the girl in real estate? She's still in the game. Monica Shaw. Monica, right. Yeah, yeah. Monica Shaw walked in and said, you should do it. At that point, I had Elliot, who I was at school with, who had just started and needed an assistant. Yeah. So I said, can I come do a bit of work experience, see if I like it? I absolutely loved it. Property was my game. So you started as an assistant? As an assistant. Right. Um, started at Ray White Double Bay, where a lot of us did start. Yeah. Shout out to Ray. They were, they were a great hotbed to develop some really good agents. I mean, a lot of great people came out of there, you know. They did some good stuff in terms of leadership, in terms of growth. Once I started at Ray White Double Bay, I worked under L for about six months. And yep. I was like, listen, I can't be an assistant. Right. And at that point, my entire database was taken away from me. I think anyone as an assistant coming up needs to understand that if they're being paid a salary, that essentially the database that they produce whilst they're being paid a salary is not theirs. I mean, there's nothing untoward about that. That's the game, right? Correct. So, but I also think it presents interesting challenges that clearly you overcame. So let's let's run through that. How did you overcome them when after six months you say, I'm not here to be an assistant, I'm going to go out on my own, and then you don't have a database or everything you've built in the last six yeah. months is wiped. What did you do? So look, at that point, it was still very old school. A lot of the older generations dealt with males. Yeah. Kept on coming against, look, can you bring a male? Can you bring a male? Uh, and I kept on losing a lot of business, but I would get into doors left, right, and center. Yeah. So I kept on having to bring people, and that's where I teamed up with a male. Right. Whether it was the right decision or not. Right. How old are you at this point? I must have been 19. 19 okay, so 20. you're young, man. So you're 19, 20. I was young. So you team up with a male, decide to go into partnership. His name is Blaze Griffin. Yep. 
you and him were my first bosses, right? So yeah. I was I was assistant to Carly Irvitz, which is your maiden name, and and Blaze Griffin, right? Yeah. And was that the right or the wrong decision? Look, I think it's... Because you guys did well. We did unbelievably well together, but I think after five years or four years of you bringing in 90% of the listings, mm. you get to a point, and as you know, you know, I'd been in the industry almost 10 years yep. before just hustling, 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 getting in, and I finally got to a point. So how long, hold on, so how long did you, how long did it take to team up with Blaze? Two years. But so you were on your own for two years? On my own for two years, bringing on the director and other guys. And right, so you leveraged for two years and you got to the point where you're like, I'm going to team up with someone after Correct. two years, and then you work with Blaze for how long? Six odd years. Okay, six odd years, okay. And was it the right or the wrong call? For me, initially, it was the right call. Right. After the first year or two, I should have probably gone separate ways. Right. Um, I think a partnership, especially if you're doing the same thing, should be even. Yeah, of course. Um, and after a while, you just kept on bringing in all the leads and bringing in everything. You're saying you kept on bringing in the leads? Yeah. Right. So Un it was unevenly killed. It was unevenly killed. But and you're then, splitting the profit 50-50. And you're splitting the profit 50-50. And eventually we were we got to the point where we needed an assistant. Right. And I got this phone call from a cousin of mine who said, Listen, I've got an amazing friend who needs a job. Please <laughs> give him an opportunity. And I get this little shit coming into my office. And I know that a few guys had knocked him back. And yeah. I a just, few people because a few people did knock me back at the time, right? Correct. So this little Pocket rocket walks in, dressed immaculately. Was I? Was Always. I? Right, right. Always. I forgot that. Okay. Because a lot of it's a blur to me, but it's good to hear that. Always dressed to the nines. Right. And that was the one thing we'll always remember. No matter how poor you were, <laughs> you always spent your money on your suits. I did. Probably money I didn't have, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I gave you shit about that. Yeah. I mean, no, you I, did. You I did. even opened an ING account for you. You did. You said you had to save more money. We had all. You got to buy property. You got to buy property. I remember you saying that all the time. Do you remember that interview? I do, hundred percent. Did you? I've always had a question. I've never asked you. I, I don't know if you remember the details, but Simon Cohen came in and he said, "You tested him. You said, hey, how much money have you made or something for the month?'" And he answered. I think it was like 200, 250 grand at the time. He was twenty five. Yeah. And I mean, my eyes just lit up because I was like, oh my God. It's, How can I make it? That out? is unbelievable. Did you set that up? 100%. Oh, so <laughs> 250 grand at that point is 2 million today. Yeah, of course. Because you've got to understand that. I mean, when I started, we were buying houses for a million bucks in yeah, Dover Heights. Yeah, yeah, crazy. And that was huge yeah, money. Course, course. Now those houses are 8 million. Yeah, you're making me feel old. So, well, we are old. Yeah. So, so okay. So you hire an assistant. And but then you left the industry pretty short after that. Like we worked about a year together. And that was a bit longer than that. Year and a half. Yeah. Right. And then you left. So what had happened was I was just hustling. I was working till 10, 11, 12 at night. Yeah. Seven days and nights a week. Yep. Now that's where I come into as a female. Yeah. I looked around and everyone around me was getting married, having yeah. kids. You hadn't met your now husband. I remember because I, I remember him. we were you, best friends at the time. Right, you weren't dating though. Uh, we weren't dating because you were doing some trips to Vegas. I remember. I was when traveling. Like, yeah, yeah. I got to a point where I'm like, "What do I want in my life?" Yeah. I lived, breathed 
estate, real, real estate. estate. Yeah. I mean, I used to go out with friends and they're like, oh, well, I'm going out with Kylie on her phone. <laughs> so it used Welcome to be just, to real estate, well, that's exactly yeah. welcome. If you are not living, eating, breathing real estate yeah. and you, then you're not going to be in the top 1%. No and way. only the top 1% make it. Love, yeah. Otherwise you break it yeah. and you get out. Yeah. I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to be in the top mm -hmm. at the point, but lifestyle and what I was getting, it just, I took a step back and I realized, hold on, do I want to do this forever? It wasn't fueling your fire anymore. It just, it was fueling my fire, but I had something missing. Right. And it is a sense of loneliness. Mm -hmm. Of course. Like you People get, don't understand that. Of course it is. It's You get lonely in this industry being on your own. Of course. And yes, your clients come and go. And yes, it's satisfying. You know, the money is amazing. Sure. And you go out and you party. But that stops. Sure. As your friends get older and all of a sudden your friends stop. Mm. And I was like, hold on. There's no one else to go out with because they all getting married and having kids. Took a step back and I'm like, hold on. I need to step back to, to prioritize see, you for a bit. To see what I want. And you've got to understand, I've been working since I was 16 now. Yeah. I got out the industry, I think I was 27. Yeah. So. 10-year push. 10-year push yeah. of working seven days a night a week. In a male-dominated industry, being the minority. Correct. You know, hustling hard, of course. Correct. So, and also, I won't mention who that agent is, but I came against someone. And that was my last, one of my last properties. And it was a female in the industry. And she. Female versus female? Female versus female. Right. And I just looked and I said, I don't want to be that. Yeah, of course you don't want to give her a name. <laughs> just don't want to be that. Yeah. I realized, I looked in the mirror and I became a high powered bitch. Right. That became a shark. Yeah. And in a sense, you have to, in a way, become that person. Yeah. You've got to go out and get it. Sure. No matter how you get it, especially as a female, it's a lot harder. Of course. And we did it. But there's so much fighting you've got in you. You've got to have that dog in you. You've got to have that dog. And I still have that dog no, in a different way. Yeah, of course you do. But I lost that. Right. So it was a transition period and you say, I, I need to find out whatever's missing and now's the time to pair it back. Correct. So you said, hey, Gav, after a year, year and a half, I'm out. You left me with Blaze. And then what happened? Because you've met Manny, who you're now so, married to, exactly. two kids. I joined my family business. Right. One thing is my father's probably the best businessman. He's a good man. He's my role model. He's my everything. Your mom's great too. Exactly. Yeah. Both my parents are unbelievable. Yeah. But my father business-wise, his whole thing is you put your head down. You work. You grind it out. Yeah. You grind it out. Yeah. It's simple. Yeah. And if you take your eye off the ball. You're done. You're done. Yeah. So I ended up working with him for a year and a half. Yep. Got married. Which would have allowed you to scale it back, prioritize yourself, your personal life more. Spot on. Because you got married, yeah. I hated every other industry. Yeah. Property is my guy. Right. So an old client of mine who was a developer approached me. Yeah. Just before I had a, my first kid and said, look. I need you. I've got all these Chinese investors who want to come and I've got the sites, I've got the streets and it's going to be as easy as pie. By million dollar properties, we're paying three. Wow. So I thought, fucking fantastic. 2% commission. I was like, oh my God, amazing. Right. So I went to Belmore, Canterbury, wow. Stratfield, like out there. Yep. And we would put sites together. Right. Five, six, seven sites. But... Once you got the one, it came a little, you just sure. get all of them. And we 
bought Zart. Right. And that feeling of actually buying, just absolutely loved that. Yeah. So that's where got into that and yeah. realized, hold on, this is what I want to do. Right. Had kids. I'm a worker. I always have been. You've got two kids now. I've right? got two kids now, yep. eight and ten yep. boys. Amazing. So. Look, I'm getting old, son. We're we getting old, but you yeah. know what? There's nothing better. Sure. And okay. it gives you a purpose in life. Of course. It really, kids gives you a purpose in life sure. and seeing them grow. And that's why I do what I do. Of course. Um, so how was one buyer's agency born? So from that, you're like, I like buying, I like this, but maybe I don't want to go back into the hustle of getting listings and marketing them. Correct. Did anyone in the industry inspire you? Did anyone say, you know, you, you looked at someone and said, well, I could do that as well or better or how did You know it- what? I think that's how I started is, hold on, this is what I want to do is buy a property for people. Right. So I went and I started with a company just to get experience. Yep. Then Jaden joined me and was oh. my assistant. Oh, wow. Okay, so your brother, Jaden, who's a very good buyer's agent now, he joined you when you were, okay. As right. an assistant okay. under this other company. So to, to learn the ropes. Correct. I was offered a partnership yep. in this other company and I looked and I was like, no, nah, my brother had obviously built businesses overseas in America. Mm-hmm. He'll do that side of things. You know what, let's start our own. I've always aspired to have my own something. Sure, sure. As you know. Sure. Um, so we ended up leaving after a couple of years mm-hmm. and started one buyer's agency. Right. Um, so how old is your company now? Almost, we're going into our sixth year. Whoa, six years. And how many people work at the firm? So there's 13 of us. 13. And what do you, what do you kind of accredit your success to? And what do you think the company's... MO is like if it were to stand for something, what does that look like? One, we're united. We are a family. We're a team, right. which is how we came up with the name. Love. Um, so for us, obviously, being in the industry, cutthroat, everyone's against each other. Yeah. I wanted to create something totally opposite. Right. Every single person in our team knows everyone's clients. Yep. Everyone works together to help each other. Yeah, I noticed that. Open door policy. Open door policy. Cross pollination. Yeah. Exactly. But also, we work in teams. Yeah. So a lot of us are on the same clients. So it's just, you know, if I miss something, Claire or Georgie or Martin. We'll pick it up. We'll pick it up. And and putting the owners of the business aside, who's the top operator out of the office? Depends on the year. I mean, this year? Despite, despite, uh, besides for the directors, yeah. which Martin now is, Martin's definitely up there. She's good, man. She's amazing. She's good. So she, she, she's, she's a lot of fun too. She's got great energy. I've noticed a bit of a pattern, right? Because you're ex-salesperson, real estate. Martine gave real estate a crack before Correct. she was a buyer's agent. There seems to be like this, this pattern of you know some of the best buyer's agents in and around Sydney anyway were once real estate agents. So like question as to why you think that's the case. And second, what do you think the major differences are between buyer reps and seller reps? Because you've been in both. Yeah. So, look, there's a fortune of seller's agents coming into the buyer's agent at the moment. So much. There's just so much. So and much. people think it's actually easier. Yeah. It's not. As I say. Debatable. It's, it's Debatable. just. It, Debatable. There's certain things that are easier. Yeah. Um, the hustle, there's not nearly as much hustle. Yeah. But it's also reputation. Yeah. And if you have, 
you've got to put your head down no matter what sure. industry you're in. If, sure. you got, if you think it's going to come easy, it's just not. No, but you've got to do less as a buyer's agent, right? Let's be let's let's call a spade a spade. If you're a seller's agent, there's so much more on a repertoire. You've got to get your head around versus a buyer's agent. That's not to discredit a buyer's agent in any way, shape, or form and to say that a buyer's agent has it easy. It's just when you talk about that dog that you've got to have in you, you need it. As, as a buyer's a agent, of course, yeah. but as a seller's agent, I think it's just you need it more, more whole. Yeah. Oh, there's no question about it. Yeah. The difference is once you've actually got the listing. Yeah. Then it's easy to get easier. the list easier. Yeah. To get the listing ain't nothing easy. Is harder. Yeah. That's where for a selling agent, that hustle, those cold calling, those yeah. warm calling. Yeah. That is the grind that I hated. But I also hit a point in my career, we had to need to do that anymore. A lot of it was sure. warm calls, right. which is where you're at at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Where you still have to hustle and you still have to call your database. Yeah, of course. But there's no cold calling. I'm, I remember us just going and hitting the, knocking on the doors. You know, Vaucluse was yeah, our. We used to knock all the time. We just yeah. used to knock on the doors and yeah. get in front of people. Yeah. Well, my first day in real estate, I mean, I distinctively remember that we went into a little room. You had this little printed out sheet. You had just sold 208 Old South Ed Road. You remember oh, yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. And you had, you had a big run and it was also coming off the back of a record you set on Kings Road number 99 for 6.15 million. I think you remember that. You remember that? And, and this was at the time, that was the highest price paid on Kings Road. Brand new renovation for the New Zealand couple, which you and Blake yes, sold, 6.15 yes. million. Crazy how prices have changed. And you sat down with me and you said, here you go, I'm going to give you a couple of sales. You go, I'm going to make a couple of cold calls for you. And then I'm just going to leave you to it. And it was really sink or swim. You got on the phone, you called one or two or three people. And then you go, all you need to worry about is getting me in the door. You handed me the sheet, you walked out, you closed the door. That was my first day in real estate. Correct. But you remember what I made you do as well. Yeah. I remember day one, you were always big on, you got to make the calls, you got to get in the doors, but you've got to have a target. You've got to have a goal and you've got to have things that you're working towards, which I've never let go of. You were also really good at being very upfront about how important profile was because I remember week one when I started, it was a big priority for you to say, even though there's two of us, I'm going to make sure your third name on the sticker, your third name on the listing, your name is going everywhere, which obviously has has paid dividends for me yeah. now. But the importance of that and you recognizing that was really helpful, right? Because there are a lot of agents who have juniors starting with them and or assistants who want to keep them at bay, who don't want to advertise their names, who want to kind of protect, mm. you know, their roost or however you want to call it. Um, and I think it holds people back. Yeah. But the biggest thing I think is I walk into the Rubenstein group as a whole. Yeah. And the one thing I was so big on is visuals. Yeah. Or I guess the visuals. Yeah. The senses. Yeah. Your music is always on. Yeah. The one pet hate I have is a toilet seat up. Yes. I'll never ever see a toilet seat up in the Rubenstein group properties. Open homes, yeah, yeah. If if one of our open homes don't have music playing, I'll kill someone. But that's the point. I'll is... kill someone. It's so awkward. Like you want to set a an, an ambience, you want to set a vibe. Yeah, there's a lot of good things I learned from you back in the day for the sure. Senses, but I take pride in that. And if I taught you even one thing to get to where you got today, I get proud. What do you think that I did differently, right? Just unpacking. I don't want to make it too much about me, but just unpacking for people who are starting out, that was the difference between everybody else. What was it that I did differently? So you just got on it. I, I just called. To, you just, I just called. called. 
And you know what? Telephone it, terrorists, It was, it was man. pure numbers. Yeah, numbers. It was numbers. You had your goals. Yeah. And you hit those targets yeah. every single time. Yeah. Is you'd actually exceed those targets. What you <sighs> did as well is you took advice from not only, I guess, your bosses. Yeah. At the time, you went and you listened. I was curious. And you were curious and you'd go and you'd listen to everyone else around. Yeah. And you would just get your script right. Yeah. And you just didn't stop until you knew that you got into X doors every single day. Yeah. And this industry is easy. It actually is. It's just a lot of hard work. And as you know, it's funny because my assistant came to me the other day and said, shit, these agents are depressed at the moment. <laughs> and I said to him, why, why do you think that? Yeah. And he said, because they don't have stock. Yeah. I said, so then do me a favor. Go call the 5% that are the top agents. Yeah. And you'll get a different idea yeah, and you'll get up. And I said, you know what? Look at us. I mean, last month we made $200 million worth of sales. Wow. So we had some big ones. And big. you know what? This is where for us, I just turned to him and I said, look at us. Look at what our team's actually doing. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So don't worry about all the fluff and the whatever's the noise, out there. The noise, yeah. And yeah. that's where, you know, you say all these competitors and all these guys coming in, if you worry about yourself. Yeah. And you just focus in your lane, yeah. and which I know you're big on. Because if I'm down and I'm having a bad day, I always pick up the phone and you don't know that. <laughs> and I'll always call you. Yeah. Because no matter what, you'll turn around to me and you'll say, I don't worry about everyone else. I'm pumping. Yeah. And you'll just somehow pick me up. Yeah. Well, you got to stay in your own lane, right? And that's exactly. You stay in your own lane. You carry on. Yeah. But you work hard. Yeah. I love that. How do you manage the ups and the downs? Because you talk about you know, March being a $200 million month, which is amazing. Congratulations. But then I know that there would have been other months that were $10 million or $20 million because we all go through it, right, part of the game. How do you stay even keeled? What's what's the process there? So I'll go back a couple of years where COVID, yeah. COVID hit and we, I think everyone in the industry had their record years. Yeah, everyone. Everyone. And I kept people, on people we were printed back then. Literally. Was was I mean, if we had years like that, far out. <laughs> no, but I'm grateful that not every year is like, I mean, it'd be great, but it's, you, you've got to, the universe has to balance. I'm fanatical about the universe balancing. It's got I to. I agree with you. Yeah. But then exactly as you said, the universe has to balance. As I said to my team is, guys, just even it out. Half whatever you take, mm -hmm. take it and put it into the next two years. Yeah. And level it out because we ain't going to be making this much in the next couple of years. Yeah. And my team looks at me and well, says, you can already see how different it is, right? Don't be negative. And I'm like, I'm not being negative. I'm being a realist. Yeah. And that's where we look at pre-COVID and we're above that pre-COVID. Sure. We're actually killing it above what we were. Sure. And that's where you cannot take COVID. As, as the benchmark. As the benchmark. Yeah. And that's actually, that's a really interesting point because, and I think if you do, you can get caught in terms of building negative energy. If you're comparing kind of this chapter to the COVID chapter and you're, you're questioning, well, why aren't, I, why aren't I hitting those numbers? Why isn't my office hitting these numbers? Like you're going to get caught because you're going to feel pretty bad about yourself thinking that you're regressing rather than progressing, right? But if you look at maybe pre-COVID numbers, that's a phenomenal suggestion Correct. to actually benchmark off and say, all right, let's, let's almost – delete the year of COVID or the year it's and a half of COVID, right? And look at what we were doing beforehand and how are we comparing? I think that's a much more accurate barometer. Exactly. But then on the other hand, I mean, last year, as you know, uh, 
never had my best year at all just because for two years during COVID, it was go, Manic, go, go, yeah, go, go, that I think I got burnt out and yep. I should have taken a holiday at some point, mm-hmm. but I just kept on going. So that's where put your head down and you look at the guys that actually did succeed yep. in your office and thank God we've got those guys mm-hmm. that succeed. What are they doing differently? Yeah, so what, what you're did, saying is, yeah, so look, look to people who are winning when you're not and, and suck energy from them pick up the clues, look at what they're doing, how they're doing it, and try to apply it in your own world to do it. Exactly. Well. And Georgie, for me, is the biggest – she always does stuff like that where she's like, look, I'm having a little bit of a down. Can I come and shadow you for two days? Love that. And Georgie's the one – you know, she's that, so sweet. That's I where like I get so proud is, you know, I remember on Lux Listing you turned to someone and said, who have you built up? Key. Key. That's where – I look at the guys that I've built up and even if, you know, I can still say I've built you up in a way, shape or form, I've got you into the industry. But guys like Georgie, now Mike, you know, Jane with Will, we've built up some amazing buyers agents. Yes, yeah. Because Jaden knew nothing when he came in, right? Correct. And Georgie knew nothing when she came in. Yeah, I love that. And that's for me what I get out of it is if you are building these guys up, yeah, and that's why I think we've kept our team a little bit smaller. Yeah, is that if you're building a team up and you're pushing them up, like as I walked here, you gave one of your guys a lead. Yeah, that's the key. Yeah, and I think we've got amazing business partners as our family. Sure, which makes it easier if you trust someone as well. What's the plan for the future? What's the vision? I mean, 13 people, What what's your your vision of where you want to take it? I mean, you built up two, three, four really good guys. I mean, do you want to, do you want to continue to grow that? Next step is obviously we're not in a rush to grow too big, mm-hmm. but we will start Queensland and different states. Right. Offices. So that's around. what you're going to, you're going to start that? That is definitely on the books. How? I mean, like, I mean, I always think about that myself, but you need energy and you need the right people and our energy is our currency whether you're a buyer's agent or a seller's agent if you're not fueling that into the business yourself it's very hard to build it so how do you do that you know what that's why i say it's finding the right people yeah key you've built someone up that's willing to start the north shore right or south the south or the west right at the moment i know a lot of our competitors do north south east west right Unfortunately, we can't do that. It's not possible to understand each and every sure. agent in each and every market. Sure. So once we do find that right person to run the north or the south or the west, that is step one. Right. So people but first. People first. Right. Okay. And in terms of you, what's your plan for the future? Keep hustling, keep growing, keep working. and More kids or two? Two. Can- I'm done. Yeah. My kids are finally at that age where I can work harder. Yeah. And put my head down, which I've always worked hard. We're very always. fortunate in this industry where we get holidays and things shut down. Yeah. So that is my time with my kids. Cyclically, yeah. So just give them that mum time and keep working hard and set them up. More properties. You know, one thing that I think our generation is doing a lot more, and I think we started this when I started an ING account for you back in the day, is so many of the agents back then had never, ever bought properties themselves. Yeah, of course. Well, you used to always say to me, I spent too much money. You spent too much money. I always used to tell you, don't worry about it. I'll be just fine. Um, but not everyone is just fine, right? Correct. So you're 100% right. I think um, 
I think, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. But do, you can't be in the industry if you haven't sold and bought yourself. Yeah, key. And gone through those emotions yeah. yourself. Yeah, you always used to Go say do that. it. Yeah, you still own Brighton Boulevard? Still own Brighton Boulevard. I remember Boulevard. that unit. How yeah. many are you on at the moment? Oh, not enough. Never enough. <laughs> never, never enough. enough. <laughs> That's always my answer, never enough. Um, what did you learn in terms of biggest lesson transferring industries? Like what do you think? And it could be the biggest mistake or the, what was the biggest lesson? It's just be yourself. Yeah. And you know what? As I keep saying, I keep referring back to my father. Put your head down and work. Were you ever trying to be someone else throughout the course of your career? I think we've all kind of gone through periods like that. But have you ever like tried to emulate someone else and then kind of realized, well, this is not working for me. I've got to go back to being authentic or? Which I became that high-powered bitch as a sales agent. Right. Who That was never me. Yeah. I never wanted to be that cutthroat person and right. I turned into that cutthroat person. Yeah. And that's also where, yes, it's nice to have all the cars and the fancy things, but just be yourself because cool. that's what people look at. Sure. Well, I mean, not being that person has still put you on a very successful path, clearly, right? Yeah, of course. Real estate agents, we'll wrap up on this. Um, I mean, you've been in the game for the selling side. You've been in the, in the game for the buying side. What, what do they need in order to, to absolutely dominate? Three things. Yep. Treat every client as if they're family. Don't chase the commission. Oh, I really like that one. If you do that, you will find success. Maybe not immediately, but eventually you will over time, right? And I was, But you just nailed it. Yeah. Is you will find success. If you're getting into the industry now. Yeah. Or if you are calling now, don't expect it to nah, come today. No. Nah. You are 6, 12, 18 months away. Yeah. So what you're putting in today, whether it's buyer's agent or selling agent, you will only get it in 12, 18 months. Yeah. I mean, that, that's good. And you, you always talk about focusing on the right things rather than the wrong things. And I think that the money and the commission will be a byproduct of the right things if you Spot focus on. on them. I saw um, a speech from the NFL's highest paid athlete. It was a deal that they negotiated last week. And a reporter was asking him about, you know, how's it feel, Jalen? You know, you're the highest paid athlete in the NFL. And he so authentically and passionately looked up and he said, money's cool, but championships are better. You know, and that's like, that told me all I'd need to know about the highest paid athlete in the NFL because he's focused on how do I win? How do I be the best athlete? And by just focusing on that, look at what's happened with his paycheck. That's the point. You love your job. Sure. I do what I do every single day I go into work because I fucking love what I do. Sure. I love what I do. What's and number two? Number two is keep learning. Key. Keep you learning. Some, the, you're hitting me with the, the Gavin Rubenstein Ten Commandments right here. Or something. The second you stop learning, and that's where even things like ARAC, we're going to ARAC next month, yeah. my entire team. Yeah. We take our team. Yeah. Keep learning. Keep You've learning. always been huge on that. You always used to, used to take me, you used to send me. But I think it's really important to talk about the obsession with learning, right, and the fact that ego can really be the enemy at certain times and points in your life. And I think it's very, very hard to have that, you know, mindset of learning and have a big ego. And I think a lot of people get that confused Spot on. because if you've got a big ego, you can't be obsessed with learning. You know it all. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you're a confident individual, but you love learning, I think they're very, very different. You don't have to, I've got someone who hates sitting in a room and learning. And as I always say to them in my office, if you just take one thing away. Yeah, fine. Pick your poison, one right? Yeah. Thing, 
Well, Albert Sassoon is a great example of someone who's been in the game a very, very long time. He's had a couple of ups. He's had a couple of downs. He's 100% on the up now. 100%. It's great to see what he's well, doing in his business. Well, I don't know necessarily with me. I think it's timing for him. And when we started together or he came on board, we had such a clear-cut conversation about parameters and goalposts, right? Yeah. And the big point of discussion was, are you ready to strip it all back and learn? And he was 100% all in. And I said, well, we're going to do a lot of work together on some of your campaigns. And the first one was Olford Avenue. And when we sat down at the start of it and I was telling him what he needed to do and the steps he needed to follow, he'll tell you openly, like he was about to walk out. He's like, I don't need this. I'm 50 years old. I've been doing this for 20 years. And I saw that look on his face and I just said to him, just follow the process once and if it doesn't work i'll leave you alone he ended up selling the property i think three or four weeks later and then talking about it all and now he's just rolling with it right so it's great to see so it's a really important one what's number three product knowledge it's key right if there's a record that it was achieved 15 years ago you remember the address you remember who paid what and what they paid for it. you got to know product your shit knowledge. right carly Herbert's. Carly Skernick. Carly, you will forever be Carly over to me. I've got to shift that in my mind. I'm going to change it to my phone You'll right now. You'll always be my pocket rocket. <laughs> I appreciate your time. I appreciate everything you do for the industry and, of course, Thanks, everything you did for me. And I'm and, proud of how far you've come. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Thinking Outside the Box with Gavin Rubenstein. Subscribe now for future episodes.